God said I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, um, they're at it again. Remember the um, that meeting they had uh, was basically the uh, some sort of a, a meeting of the minds in October of 2021 where they were um, – it was the 2021 project – uh, where Bill Gates, it was it was the uh, pandemic preparedness in New York, and um, and then all of a sudden, uh, like that very month, uh, the pandemic started. Well, according to John Hopkins, uh, let's see, WHO, John Hopkins, and Bill Gates just conducted another pandemic simulation. This time, the virus is deadlier and targets children. Because we know that every one of those people is, you know, someone who endorses, basically endorses the uh, uh, population decline. Unlike, say, someone like uh, Elon Musk, who support, who who claims that population uh Shrinking is the biggest problem facing, uh, you know, our existence. But, uh, yeah, let's see. I, I'm just looking at this for the first time. Um, th- this particular clip, I didn't, I didn't see this clip. But what I'm going to do is I want to see, just, just see about this. This is uh, a little bit startling. Let's t- take a listen. of several outbreaks of a new infectious disease that's mysteriously appearing across the region. Severe Epidemic Enterovirus Respiratory Syndrome 2025. Over the past six weeks alone, there have been 500 confirmed or suspected cases reported. 
The virus could cause a severe pandemic if early containment and mitigation efforts are not successful. The pandemic in this type of situation and trend would be a risk for the global health security. Pandemics are inherently political, financial, and so much broader. We have not spoken on the leadership in the country. And I think that we need to be also very careful. We cannot decide a lot of things without the leaders be involved and agree on that. There is no substitute for national leadership. It's important to support the local response or the national response. Training those that are in these areas first, enabling them with the tools, protecting them, and if needs be, regional solidarity first. At this stage, I've but left with paralysis or brain damage. The most successful... So it's a bit of fear-mongering here. So the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security partnered with the World Health Organization and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to conduct catastrophic contagion and exercise to simulate a global pandemic that is deadlier than the coronavirus and especially dangerous for children. It's uh, And Bill Gates was in attendance. You know, he's a busy man. And somehow he feels... You know, this is uh, the the other event was uh, the event 201, the event 201 pandemic. That was the COVID-19 pandemic. And that was October 18th, 2019. So these monstrous people, you know, you got to be careful when they do something. They're doing it because they're trying to roll something out. You can't have nuclear weapons unless you do what North Korea is doing or Iran's doing, and that's they're sending up test rockets to try to figure it out. But it's uh, it's a bit scary. And we know that we're facing this world war. A lot of people among us, a lot of our friends and family, and a lot of people going about our, their daily lives who have full-time jobs and, and, and children and uh, mouths to feed can't keep up with all this stuff. But the Democrats are are playing on this vulnerability, and they're uh, sowing the seeds of disinformation and misinformation to the tune where we have spies among us or in our social media that our own government is working against us. Dinesh D'Souza says the Twitter files show Twitter was not run like a profit-making company. Not once were the issues of consumer satisfaction or growing the number of users or increasing revenue to cover costs even raised. Decisions seem to have been driven entirely by intolerant, woke ideology. And doesn't that seem to be the case with the corporations as well? The corporations that... Even if they have a bad year, they're going to be somehow propped up by or uh, the government subsidies or um, p- companies like BlackRock that own the governments. I mean, the governments are actually dependent upon uh, finance companies like BlackRock. I mean, we just saw the Fed increasing the rate uh, point uh, half of a per- base point point yesterday. 
But um, and and that is higher than uh, the prime rates higher than we've seen in a long, long time now. That's going to have an impact on on things. Um, but the Biden administration won't stop. Uh, creating the pouring fuel on the fire, which is to just spend more government spending. You know, so many trillions of dollars have gone out the window. All this money we're given to Ukraine, and and uh, all the money that we're given to student loan forgiveness, all the money that is being given to these uh, illegals to get a start in America, they're all spending money along the border and along the way. And they're all paying uh, rent with government government subsidies. They're they're traveling with government subsidies. Somebody's getting paid for all of those services, and that money is finding its way into the markets. And so, one way or the other, no matter how you slice it, what ends up ends up happening is you have money being injected into the economy. And the people that are receiving the money are basically the, um, the the cronies that are associated with the administration, and so the, it's 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 a game of picking and choosing. You know, if you like Black Lives Matter more than White Lives Matter, then you're going to go with the Marxist group, Black Lives Matter, the people that are corrupt and uh, hate America. And if they'll, if they'll, if you can count on their vote because it's a pay-to-play scheme, you pay us, we play into you, right into your hands. You know, we'll stay on the plantation, and we'll go ahead and suck off the teat of the government dime, and basically, uh, that's the relationship. We need you, and you need us. And when the other party gets in in power, organizations like SEIU and the teachers' unions suffer. The labor unions, they suffer. And so they are are very much dependent on a radical liberal agenda. These corporations are financing these things. And these things are giving them power and control. We never we've never seen such a vacuum of power or a redistribution of power. You know, you got to say Biden and his team learned it from Obama, who is a Saul and Hillary Clinton, who are all on the same page, the Saul Alinsky page. They were all Saul, Saul Alinsky disciples. Cloward and Piven, destroy it. My question always was and always has been for years, that could never happen in America. Saul Linsky uh, or Cloward and Piven, to destroy it, uh, you know, once you destroy it, you could build it back up in the fashion that you see fit. And I said, well, there's one problem with that in America. In America, we had these things called elections. And these elections prevent that because Ultimately, if you destroy it, if you destroy America like they're trying to do so that they could rebuild it without the Constitution in mind, so that they could have a global Constitution run by a bunch of unelected official, officials in Brussels, and at some point, that's their ultimate goal. 
they're not they don't care about the constitution just look at the open border they don't care about the corruption because no matter if they break the law their own police force is going to protect them so one of the laws that they're breaking is not only the spying on americans that's a violation of our fourth amendment rights Not only is it a violation of our First Amendment rights with free speech and censorship and and our illegal searches and seizures, that's our Fourth Amendment. And then our Second Amendment, of course, we have the, uh, you know, they want to take our guns away and our ability to protect us. At the same time, they want to defund the police and everybody knows that the only people with a gun are going to be the people that don't obey laws. So you're going to be defenseless. And they know it. They know they're not stupid. They didn't get to be this powerful while they're this dumb. They're smart like a fox. But the problem is this. So my theory was they could tear it apart and tear it down. And then they'll cede power back to the other side. And the other side will then uh, get to build it back up better, you know, or the same, because you can't improve on perfection. And our Constitution was a great document that stood this test of time. But now, now we see these rigged elections. We we see these problems with these elections. Yeah, we see it's all now in the dark. There's no chain of custody anywhere. It's all in the dark, where you get a bunch of liberals, just like the liberals that were running Twitter, just like the 51 intelligence officers that were all liberals that signed off saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, Russian propaganda, Russian tradecraft. And now we know that they were all liars. And so... I'd say that every one of those people that lied to the American public and should be at least, at the very minimum, using their power and privilege of their title that was granted them by the American people at some way, at some point. They may have been appointed by an elected official, but somebody elected that official. And there was a trust there. They swore an oath to protect the Constitution of the United States. They put their hand on a Bible. And 51 people, 51 intelligence officers, including people like John Brennan and and James Clapper and Gina Haspel, maybe. I'm not sure if she was on that list, but you know John Brennan and James Clapper and Hayden and, and all these Trump haters all put their stamp of approval on it. And the media company used that as cover to protect. And the social media big tech giants used it as a way to censor. And now we're finding out that these social media companies were were just filled with CIA spies. The same CIA that's now more than likely going to be proven to be responsible for the murder of John F. Kennedy. Because Lee Harvey Oswald was a CIA asset in Cuba and in Mexico. 
And the CIA is directly connected to our State Department. Just like the FBI is connected with our Department of Justice and just like the NSA is connected with our military. So we, we really are in deep, deep trouble here. And what we're seeing is a decay of society. We're seeing a breakdown, an attack, an assault on the family structure. And this is uh, presenting big, big problems for us. And we have enemies from within. I mean, Mitch McConnell should never, ever see the gavel ever again. He's been outplayed. Well, he's gotten rich. Kentucky has gotten poorer. You know, how he gets reelected is beyond me. And we just have to get ahead of the curve here. Now, there's a lot of things I want to do. I want to play a lot of clips today. I have some clips. And I like to always start off with my own talk. And then I, I gravitate toward these clips. In the coming weeks, we might be hearing more and more clips, <laughs> only because um, just outside of our studio, they're literally, because of Amazon coming into town, Amazon's hiring 25,000 new people. This was supposed to be slated for Ocasio-Cortez's district. And Ocasio-Cortez said, Amazon, go away. Because you're not paying your fair share in taxes. Next thing you know, she threw 25,000 jobs away. She blocked Amazon from coming into her district. And her constituents still vote for her, which is like absurd and ridiculous. So the best thing that's happened to this area probably is that Amazon moved in. They're going to hire 25,000 new people. Restaurants and condos are going up. It's going to probably increase the price of cost of living and things like that. But but to make way and make space, and they're, they're doing construction all over the place. There's cranes everywhere. And... Just outside of our studio, they're tearing a building down. <laughs> so that's going to be real, real convenient. Um, and they're starting early. <laughs> so I don't know what I'm going to do with regard to the show yet because I don't know how loud it's going to get and how much you know it's going to interrupt. But I knew I do know this: when I play a clip, I uh, you're hearing the clip and you're not hearing the ambient noise. So there might be more clips in the future. Who knows? We'll see. So, um, we have a bunch of stuff here. Um, this is Jean-Pierre. She's asked if Biden intends to return Sam Bankman-Fried's donations. And Jean-Pierre says she's covered under the Hatch Act. <laughs> All of a sudden. Yeah, he took truckloads of money from Sam Bankman-Fried. He should give it back. It was ill-gotten funds. Stolen funds. So, None of these politicians are giving it back. And I think that they need to. But they won't. And here it is. The former The president received campaign donations. Uh, a campaign donation from him many times. Democrats did. Some Republicans did as well. 
Will the president return that donation, or does he call on all politicians who got uh, campaign donations that may have come from customer money uh, to return those funds? So look, I am covered here by the Hatch Act, uh, limited on what I can say, and anything that's connected to political contributions uh, from here, I, I, I would have to refer you to the DNC. I'm, I'm asking the president's opinion, though. Uh, you know, does he want those people who... No, you asked me two questions. You asked me about will he return the donations, and then you asked me about his opinion. I'm answering the first part, which is I'm covered by the Hatch Act from here. I'm limited to what I can say, and I just can't talk to political contributions or anything related to that. I cannot speak about it from here. His opinion, though. I, I just, is, just cannot speak to this uh, from here. Even his opinion, even his thoughts about uh, the contributions, donations, I cannot speak from it, from, about that from here. And then are you covered by the Hatch Act? <laughs> I am covered by the Hatch Act, which I'm happy to say over and over again because we believe in the rule of law here. Yeah, right. They believe in the rule of law, my foot. Um, all right, so that's that. And then you got uh, Maxine Waters. This was disgusting. Uh, Maxine Waters. Now, she is. She had the hearing for Sam Bankman-Fried. Of course, Sam Bankman-Fried didn't show up. And, uh, and that's what that whole arrest was about, right? It was to silence Sam Bankman-Fried. Now, he might be Epstein or Arkansas. Who knows what's going to happen to Sam Bankman-Fried? He was a pawn. He was a patsy. He was nothing. You could just look at him and see that the guy was totally played. But he, you know, they say he went broke, but it's like, oh, but he has like nine, he only has like $900 million in the bank or something. He's broke. <laughs> I mean... You know that's if that's broke, I'd like me some that some of that kind of broke, right? Um, you know, just because he lost so many billions, he's not broke. But uh, he did buy a lot of properties in the Bahamas. It's, that story is just a mess. We know that world leaders were saying donate to Ukraine, and see the beef and the the trick is they're saying. U.S. funds, the billions of dollars, the $100 billion we've sent to Ukraine for the war effort, which is totally baloney. That's all being laundered, and that's all being pocketed, and much of that, not all, not 100%, okay, if you want to split hairs, but a lot of it is. It's unaccountable. Nobody can account for where that money's going. No, I would love to see a, a spreadsheet on that to see what we're getting for our money. And we should, but nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene put out, put out something related to that. She wanted an audit. She's not going to get it. And they don't want to know where all the money is because, you know, they can't account for it. They need forensic accounting on that. Uh, how in the world are we allowing this to happen? It's your money that's going to these oligarchs over in U Ukraine. And once that happens, it does end up in a crypto account because that's how they're hiding the money, through crypto. So FTX was managing that. And SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, was donating that back to the candidates by way of campaign donations to the tune of billions of dollars when you take it in the aggregate. 
And it all went to Democrats. So conservative taxpayer dollars are going to Ukraine. They're being laundered through cryptocurrency and then sent back to only Democrats. Except also rhinos like Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell, cocaine Mitch, and the like. So, of course, this is a huge hot mess. Everybody got on it. Stand with Ukraine. Everybody had their stupid little yellow and blue uh, flag. The most corrupt country in the world has been a puppet country of the United States since at least 2010, if not 14. And we've been rigging their elections and meddling in their business and, and taking hold of their oil. And the reason why you've always heard the bashing of Putin and Russia is because of the comp- they were the competitor. Basically, Putin's bad. Don't buy their oil. Buy ours. Like I say, they were running oil out of Iraq into Europe and into Africa. And they were basically competing with Putin's oil. And Ukraine was a toll collector. If Putin wanted to send oil to Europe, he had to go through Ukraine. That's why he took Crimea. That, that it was basically he didn't want to pay the toll. Qaddafi was a toll collector. They murdered Qaddafi. That's what, that's what this is. It's, it's so obvious, right? It's so simple that they just murdered Qaddafi, and then they used his own land and set up Benghazi and started running shipments of uh, gold and, uh, and weapons by way of our State Department and our CIA to ISIS rebels that were cutting off the heads of journalists, but never mind that. Uh, they then set up shop in Syria. Syria is a puppet country of Russia. They're, 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 they've been allies since the since 70s. Russia's biggest uh, naval base is in Syria, on the western coast of Syria, Targus. And they just signed a new 50-year lease to be there. And, of course, nothing's going to happen to Syria, and everybody knew it. An attack on Syria is an attack on Russia and Russia's interests. So, no, please. Syria was basically Russia's toll collector. And Syria was not, you know, was a thorn in the side of, um, you know, basically oils coming from the West, Western influences into Europe. So then there was Turkey, and that's the value of Turkey being part of NATO. Turkey, you know, is a, is a uh, very corrupt country in and of itself with Erdogan heading up that country. So let's take a listen to Maxine Waters, though, and listen to how she tries to cover for the people that did show up. This guy named Mr. Gooden uh, was asking the question. He was a representative. He's basically saying, I didn't get to ask any questions to the people that did show up that were going to talk about FTX. Because Sam Bankman fried wasn't there, but there were other people that were there. The hearing still went on. Let's take a listen. Record the closing statements from Ranking Member McHenry and myself. Uh, 
And I'd like to thank you, Mr. John Ray III. Chairwoman for Waters. Presence here today. Chairwoman Waters, I've not had an opportunity to testify or to question the witness. Uh, I'd like to um, thank you for your presence. Chairwoman Waters. And for the Parliamentary inquiry? Yes. Are all members entitled to question witnesses? You are, and if you would like to miss the votes on the floor for everybody. Hey, it's the chairwoman's moment. prerogative to call just a recess. one moment, please. That's your decision, not mine. Just one moment, please. You may go right ahead and have five minutes. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. You're certainly welcome, sir. God, the kind of disdain and hatred of these people. And Maxine Waters is just such a dirtbag, literally. She's the one that said, you go and start a crowd. And she tried to ruin Kirsten uh, Nielsen's. Uh, she was the head of the Department of Homeland Security before the 2018 corrupt election. And uh, she was basically saying, you start a crowd. And you you, you ch- chase them out of restaurants. I mean, these Democrats are just nothing but scum. Honestly, it's disgusting. And then you get these rhinos that aren't helping the matter much. Here's... Here's uh, Mitch McConnell talking about um, how limited he was uh, with respect to this 2022 election. Looking at each race separately, I wasn't making that up. We had a bunch of close races. We ended up having a candidate quality time. Anybody remember who mentioned that back in August? Look at Arizona. Look at New Hampshire. And a challenging situation in Georgia as well. We did... By we, I mean the Senate Leadership Fund did intervene in two primaries, in Alabama and in Missouri. And I do think we had an opportunity to relearn one more time. You have to have quality candidates to win competitive Senate races. We went through this in 2010, 2012. Christine O'Donnell, Sharon Angle, Todd Aiken, Richard Murdoch. And unfortunately, revisited that situation in uh, 2022. Our ability to control the primary outcome was quite limited in 22 because of the support of the former president proved to be very decisive in these primaries. So my view was, do the best you can with the cards you're dealt. Uh, Hopefully in the next uh, cycle, We'll have quality candidates everywhere and a better outcome. Looking. So I responded to that, and I said, well, Greg Price wrote that, posted that, and he says, uh, he's, he's a producer of our Fox News. He says, McConnell, our ability to control the primary outcome was quite limited in 2022 because of the... He's basically saying Rhino candidates are much, much far farther superior than MAGA candidates. That's what Mitch McConnell's basically saying. And... I said, either RNC rhinos, and so my response to that is, either RNC rhinos support and endorse America First MAGA candidates, or I will refuse to support GOP funding requests for donations. I currently support MAGAPAC.org and BugleCall.org to advance America First policies and listen to RedStateTalkRadio.com and the ScottAdamsShow.com, ScottAdamsShow.com. But yeah, um, that's what I posted that on a Twitter tweet. Um, but the main thing is, is that we have to do better. We have to do better in getting rid of these rhinos because 
they stand for nothing but the status quo. Uh, everything that we've dealt with and all the things we're complaining about, uh, we're here now because of people like Mitch McConnell's failures. Um, because we don't support all the things that are happening in our country that are so negative. Open borders, defunding the police, trans storytelling, cisgender this, 1619 Project that, CRT, critical race theory, um, BS. It's all nonsense. And everybody knows it. Everybody with half a brain, halfway informed, knows it. Here's a case right here where oversight Dems hearing on white supremacy Representative Nancy Mace asked witnesses if extremist rhetoric in social media is a threat to democracy. Trans activist Alejandra Carabella Esquire said yes. The congresswoman then presented Carabella's tweets. So it's kind of funny. Is rhetoric on social media a problem and a threat to our democracy, Mr. Ward? Yes, absolutely. Mr. Siegel? Yes. Ms. Caraballo? Yes. Ms. Nomani? Yes. Ms. Tyler? Yes. Yes. Um, Another question I have. uh, Do you believe that rhetoric targeting officials with violence for carrying out their constitutional duties um, is a threat to democracy, Mr. Ward? Mr. Siegel? Yes. 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 All right. Thank you very much. Only a few weeks after the attempted attack on a Supreme Court justice on June 25th, one of the witnesses, Alejandra Caraballo, tweeted out the following in response to a decision on abortion overturning Roe v. Wade. And I'll quote directly from the tweet. The six justices who overturned Roe should never know peace again. It is our civic duty to accost them every time they're in public. They are pariahs. Since women don't have their rights, these justices should never have a peaceful moment in public again. I know something about being accosted. The night of January 5th, I was physically accosted on the streets of D.C. in Navy Yard by a constituent of mine. I fervently blamed rhetoric rhetoric on social media, rhetoric at public events, for being physically accosted. I carry a gun everywhere I go when I am in my district and I'm at home because I know personally that rhetoric has consequences. I've had my car keyed. I've had my house spray painted. I had someone trespass in my house as recently as August. I've been doxxed on social media about where I live. Um, and I've had to add to security everywhere I go, often because I can't afford it. I have to carry my own firearm wherever I go. And um, Alejandra Caraballo also recently tweeted on November 19th, not even a month ago, that the Supreme Court, vested with the judicial power of the United States by our Constitution, stated they are not a legitimate court issuing decisions. And also the Supreme Court is an organ of the far right. So my last question today of Ms. Caraballo, do you stand by these comments, this kind of rhetoric on social media, and do you believe it's a threat to democracy? Thank you, Representative, for the opportunity to clarify and provide context to my tweets. Um, I have a question, is it yes or no? Do you believe your rhetoric is a threat to democracy when you're calling to accost a branch of government, the Supreme Court, I don't believe that's a correct uh, characterization of my tweeted, statements. Though. Did you not tweet that? That you thought that the Supreme Court justices should be accosted? 
What I'm saying is that that, that is not an accurate characterization of my statements. On June 8th of this year, a man was arrested near Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home in Maryland. He told law enforcement officers he wanted to kill a Supreme Court justice. He was found um, uh, with uh, a knife, with a pistol, two magazines, ammunition, pepper spray, zip ties, a hammer, crowbar, and duct tape. Ms. Carabayo. On page 12 and 13 of your written testimony, you painted concerned parents as having been infiltrated by white nationalists and far-right militia groups, which played a significant role in school board protests. This has not, this has not actually been my experience with concerned parents. In your testimony, you wrote that in Loudoun County, Virginia, unfounded rumors that spread in local parent groups on Facebook about an alleged trans student sexually abu- assaulting a girl in a bathroom led to a firestorm of of several heated school board protests that descended into violence. But in fact, the perpetrator, it actually turned out, had committed two sexual assaults at two different Loudoun County schools in 2021 and was arrested on October 7th, 2021, by the Loudoun County Sheriff's Office. These weren't unfounded rumors, as you suggest. It actually turns out law enforcement had to act because a sexual assault occurred. So giving this, I'm assuming that until now you were unaware of, of what happened here, and you're going to update your testimony for the committee. Is that correct? You got to love it. Uh, that was uh, Byron Douglas, uh, really, really great um, congressman from Florida. So um, here's the thing. Ron DeSantis was in the news, and uh, it says Twitter 1.0's blacklisting of Dr. Bhattacharya, he's a Stanford professor, which was uncovered in the Twitter files, is proof that big tech and the medical establishment target scientific dissenters to control the narrative around COVID-19. So let's take a quick listen to this. You know, part of uh, this issue and other issues with COVID, um, you know, goes back to an attempt to enforce one acceptable narrative on, on all these issues. And, you know, you saw it with uh, the uh, censorship of, of Dr. Bhattacharya uh, with Twitter. You also saw it with Dr. Fauci and some of these people saying that they needed to go after these people who wrote the Great Barrington Declaration. They wanted to not contest the ideas in that. They basically wanted to, to smear them uh, because they didn't want to have any criticism uh, of their lockdown policies. And so... Part of the reason I think it's been a bad response is because from the very beginning, you had a lot of arrogance that it's our way or the highway and anyone that offers any type of a dissenting opinion. And they were censoring from day one people that would write anti-lockdown uh, things in March of 2020, April 2020. Some of those would get taken down off some of these big tech platforms. And so we saw that over and over again. And I think that uh, ultimately, uh, you know, your policies or your positions or your analysis of this medical science should stand on its own. And if, it, if it's not able to accept criticism, if you can't defend the policy against, against valid criticism, uh, then maybe you need to be looking in the mirror. But that's not what these elites wanted to do. They wanted to just cocoon themselves from any criticism and to try to denigrate anybody uh, that had a different way of thinking. So I think with the Twitter, what Elon Musk is doing, I think there's going to be a lot more that comes out with that. Uh, and I think that that's very important. But I think it's also important to say, you know, Twitter is not even close 
to most of the censorship, what was going on. They're a much smaller company than like a Google or YouTube or some of these others. And I guarantee you everything that was going on in Twitter is going on in these others, if not even more so. And we got a sense of that when they went after us uh, for, for having the um, opposing the masks, having the experts oppose the masks for these young kids. Yeah, that's what I've been saying. And here's another part Finally, of that. And, and this is exciting. Uh, we've seen uh, over the past few years uh, really the, the bankruptcy uh, of the public health establishment. You know, we've seen a lot of ridiculous partisanship. I mean, I'll never forget that after hectoring people in April of 2020, uh, you can't leave your house. They were all upset at Florida because people were on the beach and playing golf and all this stuff. Uh, that if you left your house, you were almost like a bad person until you started to have George Floyd protests. And you had massive numbers of people that are meeting to protest. And these public health people wrote a letter where like hundreds, maybe thousands of them signed saying, yes, we don't think you should be leaving your house normally, but we endorse the protest. Yeah, remember that? So uh, Governor DeSantis announced, because we knew that was all political, that Florida is creating what we're calling the Public Health Integrity Committee to counter misinformation from CDC, NIH, and FDA. He's flipping it upside down and inside out, which is kind of cool. So that that's smart. That makes sense. Um, and... You know, but then uh, you got this uh, new thing that's come out. And so there's a little bit of a division going on within the Republican Party related to DeSantis. So uh, Steve Bannon is now talking about this guy named Paul Singer. Said that essentially didn't, uh, Jack essentially didn't fight uh, Jack Dorsey. Didn't fight for Twitter and uh, didn't fight for Twitter, and he bailed when activist uh, Paul Singer came to 2020, came in 2020, and basically had him removed. The same Paul Singer that owned Free Beacon and started the phony Russian dossier. Same Paul Singer with Ken Griffin that backs Ron DeSantis. So let's take a listen to this interesting clip from Steve Bannon. I thought this was a little bit unusual. Jack Dorsey said in an interview yesterday that he's taking responsibility now. It's not, uh, you know, it's not the the guy that wrote the Grinder PhD. It's it's not uh, was it Ms. Gata uh, who you know tr- the, the, that bumped Trump off. It's none of the Grundoons or the apparatchiks at Twitter that he's responsible. But he's responsible. Because he essentially didn't fight for the company and bailed out when a um, activist hedge fund came in in 2020 and basically had him removed, that he should have fought harder. That activist hedge fund is Elliott Management. Elliott Management. Wow. This is Jack Dorsey saying Elliott Management is the hedge fund of, wait for it, Paul Singer. The, the, the same Paul Singer that owned Free Beacon that did the, the beginning of the Russian dossier, the, the, the phony, uh, the phony uh, dossier that funded that, that John McCain then circulated. The same Paul Singer uh, that is the head of the Never Trump movement. Hmm. 
the same Paul Singer that is with Ken Griffin, one of the two big backers of Ron DeSantis. Now, what Governor DeSantis is doing on the practical side in the foreground is, I think, amazing and a long time overdue. And he's got Dr. Latipo and some great, a great team down there. And yesterday, I've had a chance to go through and watch that. It was, it was like watching, war, to be blunt, it was like watching War Room. So it is interesting uh, to see what's going on there. There seems to be some troubling connections with uh, DeSantis. But, you know, I like DeSantis. and I love Donald Trump. And it's just, you know, I just put it out there for you to uh, disseminate and make up your own mind. Let it marinate and uh, just keep you, you know, basically um, informed. All right. So um, Dinesh D'Souza came out with a good piece. He says... How the release of the Twitter file vindicates Trump and confirms what conservatives have been saying about censorship. I think the biggest story in the country right now is the Twitter files. And it's really interesting that this is a story that the mainstream media is not covering, for the most part, pretending it doesn't exist. Uh, New York Times, of course, did do an article on the kind of the strange politics of Elon Musk, but they're not covering the files themselves. And Let's review. We're talking about four troves of data. Three of them have already been uncorked. Uh, the fourth is coming soon. So the first wave, the first file was the censorship of the Hunter Biden story. And there was a long thread on that, and it devastatingly exposed the way in which Twitter, but now this by implication applies to other platforms as well, suppressed the story, not because it was false, but because it was true. And there was uh, uh, FBI participated in the suppression. So there are a lot of bad actors here. And um, and at Twitter, of course, the bad actors were uh, Jack Dorsey, uh, Parag Agarwal, the, who replaced him as the CEO, Vijay Agade, and this creepy character who I'll talk about a little bit more in the next segment, uh, Yoel Roth, 35 years old, a guy out of, right out of Swarthmore. Um, and these guys are making decisions for the whole country, what people can see, what they can talk about. They're deciding whether to ban congressmen. They're deciding whether Trump should be banned. Uh, it's really scary when you think back about the kind of power that these strange characters exercised. Now, there's some debate. Um, Elon Musk, I think, seems to think that Jack Dorsey is not the main culprit. In fact, he once said um, that Jack has a, quote, P.O. heart. And I think if this is true, then Jack is a little bit like, well, there's a character in Dostoevsky that is called the idiot, uh, title, by the way, of one of Dostoevsky's books. And by idiot, Dostoevsky doesn't mean he's a, a dummy. It means he's an innocent. He's an, he doesn't know how the world functions. So it could be that Jack Dorsey is an idiot in that sense and being manipulated by the diabolical troika of Parag Agarwal, Vijayagade, two Asian Indians, and this creepy Yol Roth character. Now, the impact of the story is really hard to measure because it has so many reverberations. Let's remember, I mean, here's an article I'm holding from New York Magazine. Twitter is not shadow banning Republicans. This is completely now refuted by the Twitter files. Uh, so uh, the Twitter files, as I say, part one was uh, the suppression of the Biden story, the Hunter Biden story and the Joe Biden story. Number two the systematic shadow manning and censorship of political opponents, conservatives. Three, the uh, banning of Trump, the specific banning of the sitting president of the United States. And four, yet to come, 
uh, the bans that were imposed owing to COVID. In other words, prominent figures in medicine who are shut down because because four Twitter executives who have no experience, no expertise, no real knowledge, but nevertheless, some of them are getting promptings from the CDC, promptings from the FBI. So there are actors outside of Twitter that are part of this regime. At one point, the CDC had a kind of open portal to Twitter. They could just basically put in recommendations, ban this guy, shadow ban that guy, and then Twitter would then responsibly take action. Wikipedia, you can go look at it. It has been for now, I think, two years referring to the accusation that Twitter shadow banned people based on Republican affiliation or conservative ideology as, quote, a conspiracy theory. By the way, to, uh, Wikipedia calls me a conspiracy theorist, even though I've never put forward a conspiracy theory in my life. So here's Wikipedia exposed as lying, because after all, the uh, banning of conservatives we now know is not a conspiracy theory. It's an actual conspiracy. It's a conspiracy on the part of Twitter, exposed now by the new owner of Twitter, namely Elon Musk. Now, I've, you see all kinds of efforts here to sort of defend um, Twitter. People like Gotti and Rod genuinely don't believe they did anything wrong. And I think this is somewhat true. They live in an ideological bubble. Uh, they genuinely think that their opponents are vicious enemies of democracy. They are saviors of democracy. By the way, fascist regimes have thought the same. Mussolini genuinely thought that his opponents were a threat to Italy. Uh, to Italy, the early Nazis genuinely thought the Jews were evil people who should be suppressed and forced to wear a Star of David. Uh, so they should be ostracized. They should be excommunicated later. Of course, uh, more um, more deathly and murderous policies ensued. Now, um, for years, leftists made themselves comfortable with systematic regimes of censorship by basically saying Twitter is a private company. And also, complainers should, quote, go build your own platform. And what's so cool is that this has now become karma for these guys. By the way, not that Elon Musk is banning them. Elon Musk is extending free speech to them. But even Twitter as a free speech platform is too much for them. They want censorship. They demand censorship. They're not going to be happy unless they have censorship. <laughs> and my message to them was simply their earlier message to me, namely, Twitter is a private company and... Go build your own platform. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, Twitter was the smallest of the pie. You know, uh, Google and Facebook were even bigger. And the government was doing the same playbook with, you know, with, um, you know, the same playbook with the uh, uh, Twitter as they were with Facebook, as they were with Google, you know, so... It's, uh, you know, there's a couple of other little things I want to get to before uh, we end the show. Um, so Washington Post publisher Fred Ryan refuses to take que staff questions after announcing Q1 layoffs in town hall. So these companies are really losing their 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 butts. Uh, here's Joe Biden in 2006. See if this sounds at all like he sounds now. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law. The Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? And I can't believe... 
So it it does pay, apparently, because you have liars like Joe Biden. It does pay to get that amendment when you can. Uh, here's Donald Trump, January 12th, 2021. Trump predicted exactly what would happen at the border under Joe Biden. Let's take a listen. To terminate those policies is knowingly to put America in really serious danger and to override the great career experts that have worked so hard, those from DHS. At this very moment, smugglers and coyotes are preparing to surge the border if our policies are loosened or removed. I mean, they're literally waiting. Big, big groups of people, some of them very unsavory, I might add. This is an entirely preventable tragedy. It's waiting to happen. Yeah, they're doing it on purpose. Uh, Judge orders Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs to appear at emergency court. They already did that. They appeared. And um, and if we can, we will. uh, Let's see. Right here. Let's take a listen. According to official tallies, Carrie Lake lost her bid to become the next Arizona governor by just over 17,000 votes. That's a tiny margin in a big state. Now Lake is suing the state's election officials. She says many ballots were not properly counted. She also says her opponent, then Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, worked illegally with big tech to silence voters online. And for the record, that appears to be true. Lake is also citing widespread printer failures in Maricopa County, also true, She says they prevented people from voting. Maricopa County claimed they didn't stop anyone from voting, but has not responded further. We reached out to Kitty Hobbs' office and got no reply at all. Carrie Lake joins us tonight. And uh, 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 Carrie Lake uh, gave a really good interview there and brought us up to speed. They're going to have a court hearing uh, this week or beginning of next week, uh, sort of like a fast track. And uh, there's still some hope there. Um, because clearly there is a lot of fraud and a lot of conflict of interest. Uh, so, you know, we'll see where that goes. We have to have fair elections. We cannot, we can no longer put up because that's the part that, that's the part that they're counting on, right? They want to tear it down like Cloward and Pivot and Saul Alinsky, but then they want, uh, they don't want the repercussions at the at the polls uh, during elections, so they rig the elections in order to stay in power. And so long as they're in power, they can police themselves. See, that's the flaw in the makeup of our government. It was really dependent and beholden on, you know, God-fearing Judaic Christian values. And uh, when you have these sinners and these evildoers, Uh, running the show, it becomes a real problem. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Scott Adams Show. And and, uh, be sure to check out magapack.org and make a donation if you can, because that's how we are supported, through magapack.org, buglecall.org. That's buglecall.org. And also use Red State as your promo code over at mypillow.com. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, buddy. 